This is Top Floor, episode 120. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 120. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. Noreen Ahmed credits her international childhood with creating the desire for the kind of multicultural environment found in hospitality. Born in Bangkok to Bangladeshi Swiss parents, Noreen had lived in four countries by age 10. She headed to hotel school in Switzerland and kicked off her career at a hotel in London. She moved through food and beverage, rooms, reservations, and revenue management before making the switch to data and benchmarking with STR. After more than a decade there, Noreen took a belated gap year during which she crystallized an idea that had nagged at her for some time, that women in the industry weren't visible in senior roles. Inspiring Women in Hospitality started as a passion project and evolved into a business that includes a podcast, a membership, and regular roundtables in which women can mentor each other. Today, Noreen and I are going to talk about equal representation for women in the hotel business. But before we do, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals and other random people off the street who have burning questions. If you would like to submit a question, you can call or text me at 850-404-9630. Today's question was submitted by Suki. And she says, is there a big difference between Swiss hotel school and a place like the University of Las Vegas? I think she means United States hospitality programs. So obviously, you know it from the Swiss side. What do you think? Do you think there's a difference in curriculum or approach? One anecdote I will share um, that someone told me years ago, and I can't remember who it was, but this was a comparison made between Cornell and, and Lausanne. And the the comment was like, say you're given, I don't know, $300 million to make an investment. What are you going to do with that money? Uh, the Canal student will find, you know, multi-property, uh, you know, mid-scale um, real estate or hotels. And then, you know, in five, six years, sell it off, make a good return on their investment. And, and it's um, that's the objective there. A Lausanne graduate would look at finding a beautiful boutique hotel to buy and run and make it like sort of a lifestyle. So that's probably the best way I can answer that question. I think that's a very illustrative example. And it sounds exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) You have lived in a lot of places. Is there one city or country that you think is the most hospitable, like particularly hospitable? I've been really fortunate enough to been exposed to so many different countries and cultures. And each one of them 
give me an experience that's unique that you can only find in that destination. Um, and I think that's the beauty of hospitality and travel, you know, all the way from Japan to the Middle East to Europe, Africa, the Americas. Like I've been really lucky to travel to so many different places. And I think the best way to experience it is also through food. I find food is a great way to understand, you know, how culture how it impacts the culture and how you can understand the lives of people um, that live there. What experiences in your career made you realize that women weren't represented equally in hotel senior leadership? I think it's from what I just saw, like from you know attending conferences, looking at the different organizations within the industry and just not seeing that representation. It's funny when I was writing that question, I'm like, I mean, her eyeballs, is that the experience that she had <laughs> the owning a pair of eyeballs? <laughs> but I didn't know if there was something like for me, you know, I was a hotel director of sales and marketing for many years. And almost all of my colleagues were women. But every vice president in the company of sales was a man, every single one. So where did the women go? And where did these men come from? Because the people in the field were like 80% women. That was when it started to dawn on me. I think I thought it was like we were post-sexism early in my career. And then you look around like, what? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even when I was at university, like they would bring guest speakers in and it was mostly men. Like I only remember one woman who came as one of these um, guest speakers. Um, I never aspired to be a GM because there was definitely no female GMs, women of color, women of Asian descent being GMs at hotels. So it wasn't something that I even aspired to. And then obviously, you know, my aspirations have changed, but uh, it was just from what I was seeing. And it's exactly right. There are plenty of women in the field, in the industry, yet somehow they're getting stuck somewhere or we're just, or maybe we just don't see them. I don't know. So I'm on a mission to find out what's going on. How do you think that working with data at STR informs what you're doing today with inspiring women in hospitality? So I think I would say that my time at STR gave me that opportunity and the privilege to have a very global approach and understanding of the industry and to be able to be exposed to so many parts of the world to appreciate that whilst obviously there are differences in different markets and different parts of the world, when it comes to women in the industry, I definitely saw a lot of similarities, right? Having the global exposure at STR definitely helped build my own profile and my own network. And that is what I'm definitely taking away from my time there. And that's what I'm leveraging today to help amplify the voice, uh, voices of women in our industry and ensuring that both women and men are inspired by the stories that I'm sharing and the work that I'm doing as well. One of the things that is unique about your podcast is that you talk to women at all levels of the industry rather than focusing on senior executives, which is kind of what I do. Um, Why did you decide to do that? And does it ever cause problems? I'll tell you why I'm asking that after you answer. So I think the first thing I thought was like, I may run out of senior executives 
pretty quickly. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I think that will actually ever happen, but that was one concern. But second, I wanted to ensure that all the various voices were being heard. And I want women to believe that no matter who you are and where you are in your career, what you've done, you all have the capacity to be inspirational. Someone just needs to believe in you. And I think the podcast is like giving them that opportunity for their story to be heard and for them to hear themselves as well, right? Learning to speak about yourselves. Often women are not doing that enough. So this gives an opportunity to reflect on their story, on their journey and share it with the world. That makes a lot of sense. The reason I asked if it ever caused problems is I just remember coming up and having it hammered into our heads that we were not allowed to speak to the press under any circumstances. And I often wonder if someone who is more junior in their career doesn't either doesn't know that or maybe the rules have changed or whatever. But I'm just curious if it ever like I want to ask big picture trend questions and like what's going on with the company and all that. And they're not allowed to answer that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, having worked in PR and media myself, I definitely understand where that's coming from. I think what would need to happen in that case from the organization is enough training. I think with proper communication, you can educate anybody as to what they can and cannot say. And of course, you can take a question and answer it in a completely different way. It doesn't have to be the direct response. So true fact. I find memberships very interesting. I talked to Christine Trippy in episode 118 about the Crown Society, which is her membership for hotel general managers, ops leaders, owners, that kind of thing. You also have a membership. And can you just describe that and talk a little bit about how it works? So as you described at my introduction, I took a very belated gap here in my 40s. <laughs> Uh, but I wanted to do it with a little bit of purpose. So as I had started this passion project, once I left STR, I was able to start, you know, to take it to a whole other level. So it was just the storytelling. But the next step I wanted to do was really bring women together and start talking about their careers and experiences within hospitality. And that's what was the birth of the Inspire Roundtables. Oftentimes, what I found was the first time that women, women were coming together to share their experiences. Because these types of conversations, unfortunately, don't happen as organically as we would like them to happen or in such a structured environment. And, you know, no, I, no matter where I went into the world, um, one of the things that I started noticing, or two things I started noticing, uh, one was a real lack of community, um, like in, in an organized fashion, and two was a lack of access to mentorship. So that kind of got me thinking about how can I, again, leveraging my global exposure, build an online community, which is what has become now the Inspire community, where we get together once a month, uh, three different time zones, and we choose a topic of conversation every single month. We discuss, we go into breakout rooms, we're networking, we're getting to know other women within the industry. And what's interesting is I've already seen women connecting who've been in industry for many years, yet somehow the paths have never crossed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is, this is, this is not okay. <laughs> so how do we make, you know, make networking accessible and normalize it? And then the mentorship piece. Now the mentorship piece that is within the membership is peer to peer. So again, going back to the lack of senior leaders, 
we don't have enough women to mentor everybody else. And those who are around, it's not fair to rely on them to also mentor everybody else. So let's start by mentoring one another, which is why the peer-to-peer concept. So we try and match as much as possible based on years of experience, location, and type of role. And, you know, we can learn from one another, right? We each have experiences that the other one can share. And so we start building that and growing that relationship together so that we can have that continued support all throughout our career. We should not be shy to ask for help, ask for mentorship, ask for guidance, coaching, whatever that may look like. You know, I went through those moments myself and I'd be like, okay, who do I go to? And I just didn't know who to turn to um, within, within the industry. In a recent survey, someone who I did not pay to say this said that Top Floor is a must-listen for hospitality people, insightful, funny, informative, with amazing guests. Someone else said, I listened to one and now I am becoming addicted. I also did not pay this person. And yet another person called the show an entertaining interview offering tricks, learnings, anecdotes, and heartwarming tales from hoteliers. No money changed hands for that one either. Here's my point. Somebody somewhere likes listening to Top Floor. And if you are not sharing the show with your friends and colleagues, you are really doing them dirty. I truly appreciate every minute you spend listening to Top Floor and would be really thankful if you would follow the show wherever you listen. We like to make sure that our listeners come away from every episode of Top Floor with some very practical and specific tips to try in their businesses and their personal lives. So can you give us, Noreen, a couple of very specific tips for how women can improve their visibility at work? So the first one is uh, knowing what you want. Oftentimes, you know, I would, you know, I'd be having a conversation about my career, my progression. And if I didn't know what I want, the conversation just never went anywhere further. Mm -hmm. So know what you want and then ask for it, speak Mm -hmm. up. And how do you do that? That was that was probably one of the biggest things that I had to work on through my own career because um, I was not speaking up. And perhaps this was my cultural influence growing up in Asia. You know, you're quiet, you're subservient, you're respectful, you don't talk loud. Uh, but yeah, that wasn't going to if I wanted to build my career. So I really had to do a lot of work on myself, push myself speak up and also voice projection because I used to talk at a very low register and no one used to be able to hear what oh, I Oh, <laughs> interesting. So even talking more loudly yeah. can make a difference. And I don't head, have a problem with that. <laughs> in my head, it sounded like I was shouting, but it wasn't. So, you know, I did training and we I had courses and all that and that helped, but it was actually the physical practice of doing it Um, was what really helped me. Um, And also like what you could do, if there's something that you really want to work on and you have an objective in mind, identify, you know, someone at work that you trust that you could um, communicate with and share, okay, hey, 
Susan, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work on my voice projection. So next time when we're meeting together, can you, after we come out of the meeting, give me some feedback on what it was like, or maybe we just do a practice session together. So find someone that you can actually, you know, help you hold yourself accountable for the things that you're trying to work towards. Oh, I love that idea. That's a great suggestion. You mentioned your belated gap year. And that took place after several years in hotels and at STR. What advice would you give to someone who is contemplating doing the same? Do it. (laughs) (laughs) Easy enough. (laughs) Just do it. I mean, look, it was scary. It was so, so scary going into it. I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) How am I going to manage? Uh, But you manage, you find a way. Um, And it was, it was, it, it has been so nice just to take that time off. Um, originally, obviously, was to spend with family and friends, which I did, but on the side, I was doing all these other things uh, because I wanted to use my time usefully too. Mm-hmm. But it would, it's scary to, you know, kind of get off that corporate, you know, uh, train. I don't know how, what other acronym to use here. Uh, metaphor. Oh, can't remember what, what the word should be. Um, but it's been really rewarding incredibly rewarding and it's given me the time to reflect and think and find this whole other side to me that I probably wouldn't have found if I was still working full-time. Interesting. So we have reached the fortune-telling portion of the show. Now is the time to predict the future and we can come back and see if we were right. What is a prediction that you have about the hotel business as a whole? So I think, you know, obviously during COVID, it was a scary time and we weren't sure about, you know, how things are going to be and how hotels are going to survive. I think one thing that has been shown is that we will always be resilient and there will always be demand for travel, for people wanting, needing accommodation and yeah, needing a place to stay. So there will be ups and downs, but it will always be around. It may look perhaps a little bit different. You may need to think about how you are running the operation of your business and, you know, constantly flexing and changing, adapting. Like, let's let's not forget to do those things as well. If you could wave a magic wand and create one innovation in our industry, what would it be? Gender balance. Can that be considered innovation? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Seems like a little bit backward innovation at this point, but yes, I hear you. Yeah, that would be my wish. I mean, that is exactly what my wish is for inspiring women in hospitality, you know, getting us to a place of gender balance. You know, in addition to the membership, I want to work with women directly to get them ready for the next um, next role, next position. I want to work with men as well, because obviously they're mostly leaders um, within the organization. What can they do? to ensure they have an inclusive environment to ensure everyone has equal opportunity. And then eventually working with companies who want to make a change and influence their culture to make it more inclusive. So that's really the the vision, whether you call that, I mean, innovation is often, you know, combined with technology. Maybe technology can play a role here, 
But I think you can also be innovative in the way that you run your business and the way that you attract and retain people within your organization. I've, for my own podcast, I've done what, over 180 interviews. And I did the math the other day, and it's like 51% of the women I interviewed have gone on to start their own businesses. And I think there's a real missing, missing opportunity there. Interesting. What is next for you and what's next for your company? I'm trying to connect as many women as possible all across the globe. Um, and yeah, working on um, putting together different workshops and programs, e- either for the members or even outside the membership as well, really focusing on what we need to do collectively to support uh, the growth of women in leadership within hospitality. And then finally, identifying those companies who also want to bring a change. Okay, folks, before we tell Noreen goodbye, we are going to head down to the loading dock where all of the best stories get told. Going down. Noreen, what is a story you would only tell me on the loading dock? So I thought a lot about this one. And... Perhaps what I might like to share is my complete naivety when I first arrived in hospitality and I arrived at hotel school in Switzerland. I'd never worked a day in my life before that. Uh, Never, yeah, never had to do my own laundry, never had to cook, nothing. So I can share some mishaps that happened <laughs> when I first arrived. I put all my clothes in the laundry in the dryer and my chef pants came out shrunk. Oh, no. <laughs> I had this massive knife that I was cutting with in the kitchen, managed to cut half my thumb off <gasps> on the first day in the kitchen. <clears throat> and of course, I'd never opened a bottle of wine, let alone a bottle of champagne. So when I opened my first wine, went basically flying through the restaurant you know, it's supposed to be a quiet pop, not a loud one. <laughs> I had no idea what cheese was which. I couldn't pronounce any of the French words. So it was just, so the cheese, Charlie, it was, this is cheese, and this is cheese, and this is cheese, and this is cheese, and this is cheese. Please enjoy. I had no idea. <laughs> oh my so gosh. Yeah, I was very clueless uh, when I arrived, and I would not do that again. <laughs> That is wild. Noreen Ahmed, thank you so much for being here. I know our listeners got some great ideas and I really appreciate you riding up to the top floor. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 120. Jonathan Albano is our editor, producer, and all-around genius. He even wrote and performed our theme song with vocals by Cameron Albano. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. And your rating or review will go a long way in helping us give you more of what you like. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 